Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have David Cordua from the Limbar coming up in a little bit. But first, let me just say we've been gone for about a month. It is very good to be back. I appreciate all of you who reached out and told me how much you enjoy listening to the podcast. And I am very happy to get back to work. So thank you for all of your support. Now let me introduce my co-host. She is the owner of Avondale Food and Wine, Mary Clarkson. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great, Eric. I'm super happy to be here. I know it's been a minute, but I can't wait for today's show. Well, let's dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, big news. One of our favorite new restaurants that opened this year, Cafe Louis has decided to go in a different direction. It closed at the end of November and recently reopened as Louis Italian American, an Italian restaurant kind of in the red sauce mode that builds on the Sunday night dinner specials that Chef Angelo Emiliani was serving. Mary, let me throw it to you. Uh, I know I'll miss Cafe Louis, and I'll, I'll say a little bit more about that in a second, but but how do you feel about this decision that that Angelo and his uh, sister Luciana made to to pivot? Uh, I don't know where my mom is going to get her Saturday morning buns. <laughs> um, I'm excited to see what they have. I mean, I think he's such a talented chef, and I think she is as well. Such a great baker. I I will be sad to miss some of the morning staples here, but. I'm excited to see this new riff. I, I selfishly wish that there was pizza on the new menu. Well, yeah, well, let's let's come back to that thought in just a second. But yes, I I mean, I, you know, we talked about Cafe Louis quite a bit on the show. I mean, I went in the mornings occasionally for for croissants or a breakfast sandwich, or they were doing a really fun uh smoked whitefish salad that was a little bit like a Gulf Coast version of bagels and lox. But but what I really embraced was the dinner menu, you know, Chef Angelo's handmade pastas, the roast chicken, the the shrimp cocktail with the the really vibrant green cocktail sauce. I, you know, there was just a lot to like about that menu. And I kept sort of taking people there, like, you know, always kind of looking around the dining room, realizing that it wasn't as crowded as it should have been, in my opinion. And so that it didn't catch on the way that I had hoped uh, bumps me out a little bit. But I think that's kind of the reality of where the East End is right now. It's it's still very much up and coming and maybe doesn't have that kind of daytime population for a, a breakfast and lunch concept, but has proven to be really viable for dinner. And so, yes, I'm with you. I mean, you know, Angelo and uh, Luciana, better better known as Louie, really, really know these flavors and, and this cuisine. And so I haven't made it in for one of the red sauce uh, Sunday night dinners, but but I very much look forward to my first meal at at Louis Italian American because they're doing all of this kind of Italian American comfort food that I just I just crave, you know, dry aged meatballs and chicken parm and you know spinach ravioli. I mean, all that stuff sounds really exciting to me. I think, I mean, for me, I want an Italian meatball sandwich for sure. I want all the pastas from him. I can't wait to see if there's a more expansive wine list now that they'll be, you know, really 
hunkering down on dinner, doubling down on that. Um, I really hope that they get the appreciation that I know that they will deserve. And I hope people show up in force when they open. Right. And, you know, you mentioned pizza and of course, you know, Angelo kind of first came to our attention locally because he had moved back here from LA making pizzas as the Angie's pizza pop-up and, and they were fantastic. And so, you know, I, I think we had, you know, his mentor, Chris Bianco on the show back in October and Chris sort of acknowledged that Angelo was working on a pizzeria. So I don't have any, I don't have any details about where that's going to be or when it's going to open, but so no, you're not going to get pizza at Louis, but you will get pizza from Angelo, I suspect sooner than later. I think no matter where he opens up a pizza joint, it will be incredibly successful. So I am okay to wait and dine here in the interim. <laughs> Very good. All right, let's move on to topic number two. Speaking of pizza, it's a pizza oriented news of the week. Austin's Via 313 has revealed that its first Houston location is coming to Memorial City next year. Mary, I know you go to Austin quite a bit. Have you been to Via 313? And if so, what do you think about it? I have not been, but I have been aware of this concept. I a Detroit style pizza isn't always my go-to, but when I'm in the mood for that a couple times a year, um, I certainly would crave something like this. I looked at their menu. I think there's room for something like this in Houston, and I think it'll do very well. Yeah, let me let me say I have actually been to Via 313 because it has this incredible reputation for Detroit style pizza, which is to say they're sort of rectangular pies with deep dish with like a layer of crispy cheese along the rim of the crust. So it's a little bit of that cheese it flavor. And and there are there are certainly restaurants in Houston that serve something similar. Pizarro's does it, uh Rudyard's does it, but maybe not quite at the level or certainly not to the acclaim of via 313. And of course, you know, they got, they got scooped up by this venture capital firm, the savory fund that's been sort of turbocharging their growth. So we knew that they were coming to Houston eventually, but now we have a location and a timeline. And and I will say my, my one visit to via 313 was, was very delicious and this is something I've been kind of had my eye on for a long time. And there's there's a couple other locations that are floating out there. So, you know, the more the merrier as far as I'm concerned. Well, and they've been on Food Network. They've had food and wine, you know, praise. So they're not messing around. No, they're not. And it's got that whole Midwestern thing. So they serve like Fango, the soda and and you know some of that other stuff. I mean, it's it's very well executed. It's been very well received, uh, and I I have a feeling it's going to be a big hit. Uh, certainly in the Memorial area, and and probably throughout Houston. And then topic number three. Speaking of Austin pizzerias, Home Slice Pizza has finally opened their location in Midtown. This is the former Sparrow Bar and Cook Shop space next to the Breakfast Club in Midtown. Mary, again, let me throw it to you. Have you been to Home Slice? And if so, what do you think about it? Okay. First of all, I love Home Slice. I have been going to Home Slice in Austin for quite a long time. I usually bring back a par-baked pizza for my mom because she loves it so much. So 
Um, yes, I have been to the what the one in Houston. I think the location is great. Um, I love that they're open till midnight, especially being right there with Continental Club and a lot of other bars. So welcome to Houston. I, I think they will do very, very well once everybody knows they're here. Well, if the readership on the Culture Map article that, that went up last week is any indication, a lot of people now know that they're they're here and they're coming. Uh, I will say I agree with you. I think the location makes a ton of sense because you've got symbiosis with the Continental Club, with uh, Double Trouble, with Winnie's. And so you have this kind of whole uh, Tacos a Go-Go. So you have this whole kind of little mini nightlife district. And, you know, the one thing inside the loop that everybody complains about is parking. Well, it's it's not that it's not that Home Slice has just a ton of parking, but it is right next to that big mid-main garage and and plenty of street parking, you know, whether on on Travis or even uh, or even on Milam, if you want to hoof it a little bit. So I, I think for all of those reasons, it's primed for success. And and, you know, we'll do a full restaurant of the week breakdown at some point in the weeks to come. But I will say I, I did get to go there and I met with Jeff Mettler, who's the partner that's kind of behind this location. He moved to Houston from Austin to oversee it. Uh, and obviously we stayed for lunch and I had a, a clam pizza and a, a meatball sub and their Italian cold cut sub. And I thought it was all really first rate. And, and I think, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of pizzerias and, and I spread my, my pizza dollars around, you know, certainly to Love Buzz, certainly to Gypsy Poet and Romano's and Vinny's and Tiny Champions even. But, but this is like, this is the kind of pizzeria that I, I really appreciate because you can get the, you can get the hot and cold sandwiches. You can get salads, you can get creative, you know, all these fun toppings. I mean, you know, clam, they do clam pizza, uh, which is an East coast thing. You just don't see in Texas very often. So, you know, taking all of those things together, I think this is a really nice addition to Midtown and I'm happy that it's here. And I, I just, I just know people are going to be, very excited. Let me let me just put one thing to you because the the South Congress location, the original home slice location, is known for its line. We as Houstonians are typically pretty skeptical about lining up for anything. Breakfast Club, its neighbor, is a notable exception. People people line up for that every day. Do you think people will line up for pizza? I think they will if a show's letting out at Continental or there's an event at one of the mid-main performance venues nearby. Uh, I don't think there will be a line quite quite like South Congress just because there's not as much of density of, of people walking like there is in South Congress. Uh, there is a nice little to-go window on the side. I could see that little side window for just slices of pizza backing up, but I, I doubt that the inside will get crazy but maybe maybe i'm wrong when i was there the other night they had a lot of um pizzas by the slice but they had been sitting there for a while so i think once everybody knows that they're there i think you know those will always remain fresh they've got a big patio um i don't know we'll see i mean maybe it'll be the new mize for midtown (laughs) (laughs) i mean anything's possible it's not going to stay open quite that late it's going to close at 11 during the week and midnight on fridays and saturdays so I, i don't I don't know that it'll quite have that Mize vibe, but but we're older. We're older, Eric. We we get drunk earlier. <laughs> that's right. Well, but there are people younger than us who stay out later than we do, and they can and they can go to Love Buzz, which stays open until two a.m. Right? That's what Love Buzz is for. 
Absolutely. But no, I, I, I think basically if you like Romano's, you're probably going to like Home Slice because they do, they do a lot of the similar things, right? The only thing uh, Home Slice doesn't do is pastas. And that's kind of, and that's kind of what I go to Romano's for. I go for spaghetti and meatballs or meat ravioli or that kind of stuff and a slice of pizza. So, you know, now my, my pizza dollars are, are going to get further divided up, I think. I, I don't disagree with you. I think that their margarita pizza, their cheese pizza, their classics are just really, really good. But they also do nice um, daily specials that mix it up a little bit. So it won't be so monotonous there, which is great. Yeah. And I like that, you know, they're in the dough business. So they make the they make the sandwich bread. You know, I think that's a that's kind of an extra step above and beyond uh, what a lot of pizzerias do. And I, and I think that's that kind of speaks to their approach. I agree. Absolutely. All right, Mary, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Mary, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you first about Navy Blue. This is the new seafood restaurant in Rice Village from the Blue Dorn team. I had Aaron Blue Dorn, Sharif Mboj, and Chef Jared Zifchak from Navy Blue on the podcast uh, a few episodes ago. They were great, uh, very candid about kind of their plans for the restaurant and their aspirations for it. But let me just circle back to you. I mean, you and I have been to Blue Dorn together multiple times. I know it's someplace you enjoy. It's it's someplace that I'm a big fan of. So obviously, we went to Navy Blue with pretty high expectations. Uh, I'm going to say we had a pretty good dinner there, but but what did you think? I thought that the interior was absolutely stunning. It, If you went to Polliston Row before, it does not look anything like uh, the previous space. So kudos to their architects and interior designers for completely transforming that space. It's a big space, but it doesn't feel overwhelming the way that it's been broken up. It has an open kitchen, open dining room, kind of semi-private dividers between that and the uh, bar banquette and bar seating area, and then a private dining room behind that. So they they make the space feel more intimate than the square footage. I mean, it's over 7,000 square feet. So they did a great job with that. The lighting, the tables, every, like everything on that was perfect. Um, I thought for me, I guess, and it's no one's fault other than my own. I thought maybe that the price points would be lower than Blue Dorn, but they seem to be kind of in line with Blue Dorn, I thought maybe it would be a little bit more casual than it is, but. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Definitely, I, definitely I, right I, in that wheelhouse of, you know, figure you're going to spend a hundred or more, you know, a uh, hundred to 125 a person, probably depending on what you order and what you drink. For sure. So yeah, I guess, but that's just my own mental. Maybe that's, I grew up in and around Rice Village. So I think more casual restaurants, but I think they have access to, a whole neighborhood of people that they didn't before with Rice University and West U and um, even Bel Air and Medical Center not being that far away. So I think a whole new group of people get to experience Aaron Blue Dorn and his his team that he's assembled their food. So I'm I'm excited for them on that front. 
Yeah, no, I just, just uh, my thought on the price is that it's consistent with other relatively new restaurants in the area. I think about Gratify, I think about Hamsa, certainly, you know, both pretty upscale, you know, the more, the more traditional uh, Rice Village restaurants, you know, maybe, you know, local foods, obviously less expensive, Prego less expensive, but, but yeah, the, the new stuff that's coming in is, is pretty upscale and that's a deliberate decision by Rice to, you know, raise the profile of, of Rice Village to a point where it's, you know, maybe not quite as upscale as, as like River Oaks district, but is kind of in that zone in terms of its positioning and, and its retail tenants and all of that. So, you know, I don't, I don't think it's out of line. Side note, I was at Steak 48 last night and there's nothing upscale about River Oaks district when it comes to that restaurant, but anywho, <laughs> I digress. Okay. Um, we're just going to leave that in. We're just going to leave that in. We'll let, we'll let you can Avondale food and wine on Instagram. Everybody, you can send your DMS to Mary. Uh, yes. Don't message me anyway. Uh, but no, I agree with you. The place looks beautiful. It, it, it has a completely different aesthetic than Blue Dorn. It's, it's a little more modern. It's, it's kind of minimal, uh, but it was very comfortable. And then, you know, let's talk about the food because I, I think, you know, we had some really memorable dishes and a couple of things that maybe missed just a little bit, you know, typical of any new restaurant, but, but what were maybe one or two of your favorites? Ooh, um, I like, uh, okay. There's several things that I liked. I like the seafood uh, presentation of the oysters, of course. I mean, I think of seafood a lot when I think of Aaron Blue Dorn and his concepts. So that's, you know, I, don't, I just like to test standards at places. I thought that their uh, vongole, their clam pasta on the seafood tip was really nicely done. Uh, I eat that dish often at Prego. So it was nice to compare that dish in the same neighborhood. And I thought it was on par um, with that, which was a delight because that's a dish you can't find at a lot of different places. And then I thought for me, some of the standouts were all of their desserts. I mean, really beautifully crafted with lots of flavors hitting every, you know, every style of dessert somebody would want. Yeah. I mean, you know, chocolate lava cake is, is such a no brainer. It's a little bit cliche, but it's never not delicious. And that carrot cake that goes right in the, right at the top of the list with any of the best in the city. Carrot cake you know, was the best I've ever had. Yeah, I right, you know, right up there with with Ronnie Kellen's carrot cake for me. Thinking about kind of of apps and entrees, you know, the the things that I'll I'll go back for, uh, the baked clams uh, with the breadcrumbs and the parmesan and the bacon, kind of their their version of clams casino. Uh, I thought the crab cake was really excellent. It was it was basically all crab, very little binder to kind of hold it together, and that swordfish au poivre, which you know, swordfish is already pretty meaty. So kind of treating it like a cut of steak, hitting it with the au sauce. I, I thought that just made, just made a ton of sense. and was a really smart preparation. Uh, and I was, I was pleasantly surprised by kind of their attempts to do some of the more Southern stuff. Like I thought the New Orleans style barbecue shrimp were really good, you know, a little bit sweet, like a little bit tart. Of course, the shrimp were, were really nicely cooked. And so I, you know, that's a dish that like, it's like, okay, you know, I see you working, you know, we didn't order the black and snapper, but, but having had the barbecue shrimp, I'm like, all right, next time I go to Navy blue, probably going to try the black and snapper. You know, I think the only thing that maybe missed, uh, that missed for me was that, that soul Manair that we ordered that I just, 
I just thought it was maybe just a little bit overcooked. I thought it had dried out just a little bit. I thought, you know, that, that for me was, Oh, I don't even want to say it. That was the only hard part for me because I love Deversol. It's such a delicate fish. It doesn't need, you know, you have to be really careful with it, not to overcook it. It was a tad bit overcooked, but beautiful table side presentation, beautiful sauce, you know, and, and I can't really judge anybody on a, on a restaurant that's this new. So many of the dishes that we had were good. So I would definitely uh, go back for more. And I really am excited mostly for me about all of their seafood dishes for such highlights. Right. No. And you mentioned the, you mentioned the uh, spaghetti with clams. And I, I did just want to emphasize that because that is, that's like a, a staple dish for me. And, and it, what they do is so smart. They add uni to it. So, you know, you get that, that brininess from the clams and then it's boosted by the sea urchin. And so it's just like that, that kind of taste of the sea again, just a really smart preparation. And, and that's kind of what we go to blue Dorn for, and now to Navy blue for is, you know, you can't always, you can't always read the descriptions on the menu and understand what you're going to get. And then just the, they always, they always present and eat better than they read. And that's completely fine with me. Like under, under promise and over deliver. I think that's, that's a great way to go. Yeah, I will, I will be back to Navy blue. I will definitely be hanging out at this bar a decent amount, I would say. Absolutely. All right. And then the other restaurant I want to talk to you about is Zenti Cucina Italiana. This is the new restaurant in River Oak Shopping Center. It's in the first floor of the new apartment tower that they opened there. You know, this restaurant comes to us from the Woodlands, but the Woodlands location is sort of family friendly. Uh, You know, they have chicken parm on the menu. They have spaghetti and meatballs. They've gone much more upscale in River Oaks where it's, it's more kind of classically Italian. There's a lot of table side. It was very lively, like very energetic, very CNBC. Mary, let me throw it to you. What did you think of Zanti? It is a happening spot for sure. Uh, there's lots of restaurants coming into River Oaks shopping center area. This is kind of the first of the new wave of restaurants to open. Seeing Tillman Fertitta in the dining room is just lets you know how busy that place is and how many people are trying to take a look at it. I thought that the sea bass, the salt crusted sea bass, which of course is a dish widely known around town at Tony's, but they did a beautiful table side presentation of that as in addition to the white alba truffle pasta that we had table side. I think there's a lot of fanfare and theater with the food uh, that's going on here. And I think a lot of people will be sliding through to check the box at least once. Yeah. This is this is like the new hotspot, you know, very, very clearly, you know, all the influencers I follow on Instagram have all been there at least once, maybe more than once. Uh, they're going there for birthdays. They're going there for girls nights out. They're going there for for all of those kind of things. And it makes sense because it is it is really stylish. It is it is the presentations are theatrical. You know, they'll shave truffles all over whatever you want that they'll, they'll roll the card up and, and do the pasta preparations uh, table side. You know, we had, you mentioned the salt crusted uh, Branzino. That was one of the highlights of the, for me, but at the same time, I mean, you know, I thought, I thought everything was, was really well executed. You know, I think my favorite dish of the whole night was the Violasso Buco, which is, is not like a stunning dish to look at, 
but you know when the veal falls apart and it's got that that sauce on it and it comes over uh, the risotto and the risotto is is nicely cooked and and everything just comes together i mean that is as comfortable as comforting and satisfying a dish as i can think of and it's it's a go to for me and so i was i was really happy there and and yes you know we saw we saw Tillman Fertitta, we saw uh, Cheetah Craft and Catherine Whaley. We, you know, we we ran into some some industry folks uh, that were there checking it out. So it does have that kind of buzz. And, and let me just say to you, you know, it's been reported that La Griglia, the Italian restaurant that's nearby, is going to relocate sometime next year. No, no firm, no firm announcement on on when that's going to happen or where La Griglia is going to go. So. But, you know, this is going to be the new Italian restaurant in the neighborhood. And so, you know, Mary, I've been eating La Grilla, uh in round numbers, let's just call it 30 years. And, and I suspect that you're on a similar timeline. What do you what do you think about Zanti as the new Italian restaurant that's going to be the gathering spot for the neighborhood? I think that's exactly what's going to go on here. I mean, since that restaurant's going to go away. And the next year, this will definitely assume the throne of that. I do think in the same place, I know technically it's Montrose, but it's less than a mile away and it's new in the last year. I do think it will go head to head with Marmo. I mean, these sleek, shiny, new uh, kind of, you know, very corporate feeling restaurants. I know Zanti's only two locations, but nobody takes on a restaurant of this size without having some real backbone and structure behind them. Uh, to pull it off. So I think this will be the new LeGreg. And I think a lot of people will be comparing it to Marmo. No, I, I think that's really smart. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because, because that's where, you know, as we were sitting in the dining room, that's kind of what occurred to me. And so, you know, as you said, I think, I think there are reasons to go to both restaurants, right? I, I think, not that Marmo isn't lively. I mean, it, it's got a it's got a nice big bar. They've got live music every night. So you know there there are things about, but but you know maybe it doesn't quite have that CNBC element that that Zanti has. And Marmo's doing that Italian American thing. So if you want the chicken parm or veal parmesan or or something like that, you're probably going to Marmo. And certainly for steaks, you're going to Marmo. But I for will some of the- say for the bar scene, you're probably going to Zanti. Right. No, I, I agree with you with that. Right. That that CNBC atmosphere, that's definitely Zanti. Pastas, I think, are a wash. You know, I think based on what I've had at both restaurants, you're going to have good pastas at both. But there's a theatricality to Zanti, a sense of occasion that maybe Marmo doesn't have. I think people want experiences in this post or still in COVID world that we live in. And so table side kind of ups the ante a little bit and people want that. No, I, I, I think that's right. And I think, you know, you know, Zanti is like very social media friendly, like very, you know, will look good in your videos and your pictures and your posts and everything. And so, you know, that all makes sense to me. But but I think, you know, I think I think both restaurants have a lot to recommend them. And, and I think they're both nice additions to the area. And I look forward to my next meal at both Zanti and Marvo. Me too, Eric. I'm glad I got to go to both of those with you. Thank you. Mary, I'm going to say that does it for the Restaurants of the Week. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I will be right back with David Cordua. 
I am joined this week by the owner of The Limbar, newly opened in Midtown. David Cordua, welcome to the show. How are you? Eric, doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. I mean, I, I think people may may know a little bit about your story, but but let's just kind of go over kind of the basic details. I mean, you know, your your father, Michael Cordua, opened the first Churrascos in 1988. Uh, obviously, it grew to multiple locations all over Houston. Followed that up with Amazon Grill and Americas. You were by his side for for quite a bit of that. So let me just kind of start at the beginning. I mean, what was it like growing up as, as part of this family in in that was involved in in a series of successful restaurants? Being a restaurant brat, yeah. No, it was it was uh, it was an incredible experience uh, as a kid, and you know, especially um, from coming from uh, an immigrant parents and, and an immigrant family um, to be be so. Uh, Loved and welcomed by the community. I think it's one of the greatest things about Houston is uh, it's so uh, welcoming to newcomers, um, especially if you have something delicious to bring to the table. Um, so I was, you know, I was six when the first Churrascos opened um, and, you know, was in the, working in the kitchen starting when I was uh, 15 um, when, uh, when America's opened in the in the mid in the mid 90s um so i felt you know very very much uh, a part a part of of the restaurants uh as a kid and they were you know the, the staff and, and the chefs were, were very much uh my family it was it was an incredible environment to, to grow up and 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 seeing you know my dad starting in the shipping business in the early 80s uh and then becoming you know, food and wine, best new chef and going to, to Colorado with them and food and wine festival, traveling to New York. Um, it, was, uh, it was really exciting to, to, to be around that. You know, obviously you, you went to Paris for culinary school. I mean, was there ever a time when you thought like maybe you wouldn't come back to Houston and work with your dad? I mean, did you think about, you know, maybe I'll, I'll travel the world or I'll go to New York or I'll go to San Francisco or and and make my fortune somewhere else absolutely yeah I, I had i didn't have plans of coming back after <laughs> after i moved to france um i was there for two years and worked there uh until my visa expired uh and i went back to the bay area in california and worked in in san francisco and, and san jose um and i you know came came back after my dad had a little bit of a, of a health scare and um you know, there was, you know, some pressure from the family, you know, to come back and help out. And we were opening our Americas in the, in the woodlands. Um, and that's, that's really what, uh, what got me back home was the opportunity to kind of rebrand Americas, refresh the concept uh, and do it in a brand new market. I remember that restaurant opening. It was, it was a little bit before I started writing professionally, but you, you pulled in all this incredible talent. I mean, you were working with uh, Randy Rucker, you were working with plenty of Sandalio. Uh, Jonathan Jones. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe just kind of talk about that experience and kind of how it, it sort of set up your return to Houston and kind of, and kind of paved the way for, for what you're doing now. Man, I was, I was pinching myself. I was, I was 25 years old 
and you know um, executive chef of, a, of our group um, and these uh, resumes started showing up on my desk of these guys that I had um, looked looked up to uh, for for a long time and had dined at their restaurants and uh, it was a really special time in in at least my, my career I think there's too we had we had a, almost a full a full year of, of R&D. We flew down to Peru, uh, had a, uh, a Peruvian food festival at Artista where we, you know, learned so much from these Peruvian chefs that we brought in. Um, it was, it was a really formative time um, for all of us, for all of us, I think. Uh, and I still, I still draw from, from that experience of getting to work with those guys uh, and just focus on, you know, what really are kind of a handful of ingredients that we would draw from these Latin American ingredients like the plantain, um, yuca, uh, obviously, you know, the churrasco and chimichurri, but, but putting a lot of innovation into kind of a small basket of ingredients. Um, and I'm, I'm still drawing from it today. I think the Woodlands wasn't really ready for it. <laughs> and, yeah, and, a right. lot of, and a lot of people were kind of wanting the, uh, you know the things, the things from the Americas and the, gal- the Galleria, untouched and unchanged. So there was a lot of learning there too. Like there's just some things you don't mess with, like the tres leches. Like don't don't mess with the chimichurri. Yeah, it's 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 beloved and it doesn't need any improvement as it is. Um, so I, I I learned a lot as, as a you know 25 year old of what things you can tweak and what things you know better best to be left untouched. Well, I want to I want to move on to Limbar, but just just before we do that, obviously you and your dad left Cordua Restaurants, uh, the company that that ran Churrascos in Americas in 2018. So so let me just ask you, kind of what have you been doing? What have you been doing the last four years to kind of keep yourself busy? We've been nomads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we've been we've been catering, which was uh, honestly. My, my main area of focus in, in the later years at, at, uh, at Cordua restaurants, um, it really catering was sort of the place where we were allowed to innovate the most. And then things would trickle down into the menus from there. Um, so we, we had, a, we had a strong and very loyal, uh, clientele of, of, from, from, from catering in homes and weddings, uh, nonprofit galas, uh, and that kept us plenty busy, even even during uh, during the pandemic. Um, but it feels really good to be back in a home uh, inside four walls. Yeah. So let's move on to those four walls. I mean, how did you kind of decide that you were ready to get back into a restaurant? And then, and how did you wind up at, at of all places, the Ion? This, you know, they call it the Innovation District in in Midtown. Yeah, so I think like a lot of people in 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 our industry, when uh, when COVID hit and you know it was a, it was a bloodbath uh, for for our industry. A lot of people, me included, kind of took took a step back to reevaluate and think: of, Is this uh, do I want to continue to be in this industry? Do I still do I still like this lifestyle? Uh, you know, is 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 the is the value equation there? And those were all things that crossed my mind. Um, I, we did have a broker looking for a catering kitchen uh, for us uh, at the time. And uh, that's where the opportunity 
to do something in the eye on a rose. Initially, they, they approached me about doing a breakfast concept, uh, which I liked because at, at the time, you know, being in the, in the middle of, of the pandemic, I really thought you needed to be a commodity. You needed to be something that people were going to do, you know, once, once a week at, at the least, which is, you know, breakfast, diner concept, check. Uh, Tex-Mex, burgers, pizza, check. Uh, coffee shop, check. And the other thing that I think fits into that category is a bar. Um, so after my initial meeting, which was about doing a breakfast concept at the ION, the, uh, the broker for the ION uh, said, David, how do you feel about opening a bar? And my gut reaction was absolutely. It, it felt so right at the time and so right, I think, for me uh, to do a bar concept. Uh, I felt that it would be very liberating uh, to have that kind of that kind of flexibility on a menu um, where the spirits, the wine, take such a prominent role, uh, where the food can can change frequently and uh, be be a perfect complement to the beverage program. Um, so that's that's how the opportunity arose, and that's why we did something that is uh, for the first time, um, you know. Bar, more bar forward than anything else that we've done in the past. Yeah. So I guess maybe talk a little bit about kind of developing this, this menu. I mean, it's, it's very eclectic. I, you know, you've got, you've got a couple of things people are going to expect from you. You've got a Tarasco on the menu. You've got the Tres Leches, of course, but you're, you're doing, you're doing tacos. I mean, you're doing Noki, you're doing some other stuff. So, so maybe kind of, um, just kind of just kind of explain a little bit what the thinking was and kind of how you how you created this. Yeah, so a, a lot of a lot of our food that we did at Churrasco's and in Americas that you know wasn't said out loud <laughs> or we didn't market it as it was really French cuisine um, at its at its root. I mean, we made demi glace and um, you know lemon you know, butter sauces uh, with Latin American in- ingredients to kind of, you know, put, put our spin on it and our, and our own uh, u- unique, uh, unique tastes. Um, so we really, with this menu, kind of leaned in um, to, to the French, that classic French <clears throat> a little bit more. You see that in dishes like the, like the Palatine. Um, but also, um, you know, I wanted to kind of tell the story of our roots in the city of Houston uh, and kind of the way that we as a family like to entertain and the way that we like to eat. Um, my wife uh, happens to be uh, Mexican Lebanese and, you know, her and I eat a lot of Mediterranean um, amongst ourselves and with, and with her family. So that influence is, is there uh, as well. Um, but also classic things from, from my childhood, um, you know that 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 Ballotine that I just mentioned is served with a with a sherry cream sauce um, that was given to me as a kid at the restaurants after school uh, almost every day. When my sister and I would would come to the restaurant after school, they would make us uh, grilled chicken with a sherry cream sauce and a Shirley Temple. So I have this food memory of that, like deep in my in my DNA, um, and that's and that's really you know, how the menu has evolved uh, and, and what it is. It's, it's, it's authentic 
to me and to our family story here in Houston. You know, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I had, I had dinner with you guys uh, last weekend, kind of as a, um, kind of as a prep for, for this interview. And, and I think one of the things you said that really stuck with me was you have to do what feels relevant to you in the moment, you know, because I mean, I mean, you, you certainly could have done, you know, a Churrasco style menu and America style menu uh, of, of just South American flavors. And people would have been really excited to have that. And you know, that in, stuff. in a bar setting. Yeah. Right. But that would have been, that would have been different enough. <laughs> right. But it wouldn't have been true to, to kind of where you are professionally and, and what you're passionate about. And, you know, so I give you a lot of credit, I think, for, for taking, taking a risk. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily obvious that, that people are going to want to do, you know, chicken shawarma tacos on pita bread, for example. Right. No, it's not, a, it's not a given at all. But I think, you know, the first, I think the first step to like cooking well or even serving any, any guest at any party, you need, you need to serve people things that, that, that you are into because that's the only way that, that hospitality uh, comes through in, 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 a, in an authentic way. And it's the only way that, frankly, you are going to give it the care and, and attention. You have to fall in love with it first. Um, and, and then, man, I cannot wait to share this with people. You know, that, that, that needs to be the, the overall impetus is I am so into this and I know that you're going to be into it as well. Um, other, otherwise, you're, try, you're trying to guess what the market is reacting to and, or, or guess what people's tastes are or following trends that by the time that you're serving that trendy item, it's probably already out of the zeitgeist. Um, Right, or it's, or it's on the menu at six other restaurants, and you're like, right, you know, what's the point? And you're competing with that in that same space. Um, you, so, you wind up you wind up at the wrong end of articles by guys like me being like, oh look, it's uh, you know, it's the roast chicken it's trend, sprouts. and here's it's Brussels yeah. sprouts again. Yeah, right. um, and there's no, nothing 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 wrong with those trends that they're they they become trends because you know a lot of people are executing them right. And, and they become part of the cultural, you know, appetite and, and taste for, for a reason. But I think, you know, to some degree, people are looking for somewhat of a unique perspective or at, or at the very least some personality uh, in, in, a, in a menu when they, when they try, you know, a new restaurant. I want to talk about the design, too, because you worked with Jim Braverman, who uh, I guess, is it, is it true? This was in the press release. Uh, she was your babysitter growing up. She was my babysitter at Limbar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jen, and she's probably, she's probably like five or six years just between us. So, um, but yeah, I, I remember her babysitting and watching Monday night football, uh, at Limbar with, with her and, uh, and my, my three sisters. Um, so when we, when her and I started talking, it was, um, it was really natural. It was really easy because she has, you know, the same memories of that, of that house and that period of our, of our lives. Uh, and we very much wanted to create kind of a, a living room uh, environment within the restaurant. Yeah. And I, and I think you've got a lot of those elements. I mean, with the, the greenery, you know, the, the tree, the, the shrubbery, the, 
the bookcase with the comic books, the the couches, the kind of living room style chairs. Um, you know, you mentioned that there's some Easter eggs in the design that are kind of nods to your family. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You want to share a couple of those? Yeah, yeah. So the first the first one is right in your face when you come in through the front door. Uh, the original Churrascos, uh on Bissonette um, was decorated with these uh, tribal coconut masks uh, from from Mexico, uh, and we've, in, as a tribute, we've put those uh, right at the entrance when you walk in. Uh, so you're greeted by these these coconut masks. These are these happen to be from from San Miguel de Allende in in Mexico. Uh, the the facade of the bar um, is uh, inspired by the cracked tile mosaics of Americas on Post Oak. Um, these were made by a really talented artist, uh, Carissa Marks. Um, and uh, I told I shared a story with her one day uh, about us doing the cracked tile. Uh, the opening got so delayed of that of that first Americas that our church came and helped crack tile and and install every single little piece of of crack tile mosaic in, in the restaurant and I was the only one small enough at like you know 11 years old that could fit inside of the tree uh and do the crack tile the red tile inside my my foot got stuck and uh I, I got it out but lost a, a 1992 Air Jordan that lived in the oh, tree no. for, the life, for the life of the restaurant. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, I shared that story with Carissa. And so on the, on the crack tile mosaic of the bar facade, there is an imprint of a 1992 Air Jordan. She actually got like the actual model of the shoe and there's like an imprint of it. Uh, so you see if you can find it when you come. Uh, That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, the tree, the tree in the in the center uh, of of the dining room at Limbar, is is also kind of a tribute to uh, the trees at at America's Post Oak, um, and also you know we're we're trying to bring in uh, you know a lot of greenery into the space to give it sort of that that grandma indoor plants uh, feel, and it goes along with the Ion's you know mission of uh, of what we call greenergy too. Well, and, and I think the other thing you said is that looking around at the ION, everything is futuristic, it's bright, it's shiny, it's technical. Digital. And, right. And and there's something about the Limbar that's very like retro, very analog, very comfortable. And it's such a stark contrast with everything else around it that it really it really stands out. I, I mean I was I was showing some of the pictures to a friend of mine who's an interior designer. She's like, it's definitely a vibe. Yeah. Thank you. Um, no, I mean, we, we hope, we hope that we can be a little bit of a, of a refuge uh, from, from technology and in a building dedicated to, to technology. Um, you know, the, the way, the way this, the seating and, and the layout, is, it lends, it lends itself to, um, to, to conversation, um, not not necessarily you know being being on a screen uh, we you know we know people are going to come in and and do work and, and that's totally fine um but we're we're really encouraging you know social social interaction uh, I, I loved when we had a packed house this past friday 
you know, people getting up from one table and going to talk to another table. Uh, some, some, some other party was seated. Some of the party was standing. Um, it, it very much had this vibe of a, uh, of a house party, you know, like you just got back from, uh, from college and you're visiting your friends, um, uh, who, who you haven't seen in a long time and you're getting together at a, at a house party. Uh, everyone's gathered around the, the kitchen island. You can do the same in our, in our open theater kitchen. Just that, that ability to, to move around the space with, with absolute freedom. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, we should say, it. I mean, it, it is a bar, you know, a bar forward concept. Uh, so maybe talk about the beverage program just a little bit. I mean, cocktails, wine, beer, uh, you, you've got a pretty extensive mix of options. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we have, we have about 17 uh, cocktails on the menu. Uh, some are, some are, you know, riffs on, on some classics, uh, you know, some are, some are new to the, to the limb bar. Uh, the focus is primarily on, on barrel aged spirits. So in Nicaragua, uh, where, where our family's from, um, rum is king, obviously. But what we do unique, uniquely in, in Nicaragua is our, because of the revolution, uh, a lot of the rum is, is aged. Uh, it's, it's, and it's aged in, in American bourbon barrels. Uh, so it gets a lot of qualities the same quality as bourbon. Um, so we really leaned into that. Uh, we have some, some cocktails that, you know, where they would traditionally be done with, with bourbon, with, with sub aged, aged rum and the same with tequila. Um, you know, most, most of our team, uh, at our restaurants is, is Mexican and Mexico is, is definitely a, a big part of our, of our food and drink language. Um, so we have some, some great, uh, cocktails with, with reposado, with with some añejos. Uh, we have some some barrel aged gin um, as well. Uh, so it, all, all these, you know, that that the barrel aged spirits give everything a, a roundness uh, and a drinkability uh, that I think is is, is unique. Um, but it's it's a, it's a really fun fun cocktail program to uh, to try a lot a lot of different cocktails with. In the same in the same vein, uh, the wine list is very much in the spirit of a wine bar. Um, it's very it's very focused with you know only, only about twenty twenty five bottles, and almost all of them are by the glass, so that you can you can kind of jump around and, and try a lot of different you know a lot of different wines um, and pair them with with food that's very easily easily shareable uh, and on on the smaller side too. I call I call the you know our approach to the to the menu and and the same with the beverage program it's it's uh it's food food a d d you know I, I, there's few things that i want to have you know thirty forty bites of but if I can have something that is eight bites, you can pack a lot more flavor into it and and jump around to something else um same with the wine and same with the cocktails that same that same spirit is is on the beverage side well and and i and I do think you're kind of having fun with it i mean you know it's a Monte Cristo empanada, you know, the truffle Twinkies from, from the very first truffle masters years ago, you know, those taco platters. I mean, I was getting DMS like, you know, tell me about the truffle Twinkies. Is, is that good? It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like really buttery brioche stuffed with, you know, truffle infused egg custard. Like, I mean, like it almost can't be bad. Yeah. It, it kind of, it, it gives you sort of a grilled cheese, 
vibes. Because um, you have, uh, you know, perfectly toasted brioche. With, yes, it does have a lot of butter. Uh, and and the, the egg custard almost gets this, like, melted cheese quality to it uh, when, you know, it's it's an it's a egg cooked sous vide, so it's like a perfectly soft boiled egg yolk, uh, but it, it almost has this cheesiness to it, um, and 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 yeah, there, there's there's a lot of comfort food and and nostalgia um, in in the menu, and that's that's kind of been I think one of I think my tells I've, I've started off at America's doing you know lobster corn dogs. Uh, you know, 12, 12 years ago, and didn't didn't know that that's what we would be known for <laughs> at the time. <laughs> right, but, but there it was, and, and you know, this uh, this is kind of again in, in that in that same uh, playful kind of whimsical childhood spirit. So let me just ask you. I mean, obviously, you know, you've only been open for a couple of days, so I don't want to get you know too far ahead of myself. But how would you like to see the space evolve, maybe over the next? six months or even the first year? I mean, you know, how will you, you know, beyond kind of the, the, the cash register, obviously, but like, you know, what, what are you looking for to feel like it's, it's going well? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, it's not that common to have a bar forward concept in an office building. Right. Um, and it was one of the, is one of the, one of the challenges, um, in, in, in the first place of what, what does the space dictate, right? Because you can you can try and, and force a, a concept into into a space, but really, your location, your size, at the end of the day, that's what what dictates what your offerings are, are going to be. And from the beginning, we had to kind of we had to straddle that, you know, being being something approachable for for lunch and for for daytime, but then also something that works on, you know date night or, you know, birthday parties in, in, in the evening. Uh, and that's why, you know, the Latin combined with the Mediterranean made so much sense to me. Because um, Mediterranean is one of those cuisines that it works really well at lunch because it's, it's pretty healthy and, and light and you feel good, you know, after even a, a decent sized meal. But it's also one of the first things you crave after you've had a couple of drinks and you think, you know, late night shawarma, late night, late night euros. And, and you know, the, 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 the cuisine straddles both of those really well. Uh, so I'm really hoping to become part of not just the building's routine, but the neighborhood's routine. Uh, one of the things that I tell my team is, you know, our, our measure of success here is frequency. Is how is how often we see people, um, and in order to to be a place that you frequent, there, there, the value equation really has to be there, um, and and you have to go to look forward to, you know, something that it, that is evolving, right? Um, the the restaurants that I tend to frequent the most probably change more frequent than than the ones that don't. Um, but that's my that's ultimately my hope is that it is a it really is something that is in some in a lot of people's regular rotation um, in the neighborhood and beyond. Yeah, and it is you know location wise, it is kind of an interesting crossroads because you're you're kind of right in the middle of 
third ward medical center, Montrose, Midtown, you know, I could see downtown office workers coming to you for a happy hour on their way home to, to point South, right. Cause you're close to 59. You could, you could stop in for a, a you know, a cocktail or a beer and then, and then head down the Southwest freeway to Southwest Houston or Sugarland. I mean, it does feel like you're kind of set up for that, you know, assuming people, assuming people know that you're there. Right. Cause like, you know, I met a friend for dinner and, and she, she put it in the GPS and she calls me and she's like, wait, did you say the hotel icon? I'm like, oh no, no, the ion, the the Sears. She's like, oh, okay, I know where that is. It's like, okay, trust your GPS. Don't go to the hotel <laughs> icon. That's that's key. Yeah, no, you know, it's it, it's technically Midtown, but it could just as easily be annexed by the museum district or Montrose. Uh, I, I I frankly love where it's located geographically in in the city and you know if you haven't if you haven't been to the ion uh and if you haven't heard of the ion just wait you you will it's uh this is this is only phase one of uh of what rice management is is developing into what's going to be houston's technology district there's about five square blocks uh, that are are, are going to be converted um with with a, with the mission of of, of, of green energy and, and technology in Houston, which is pretty exciting. All right. Well, let me, let me ask you about one other thing and then I'll, I'll let you go. You know, you made an episode of television for Houston public media a while back where you kind of went to basically friends of yours and hung out with them from different immigrant traditions and, and cooked alongside them. Yeah. Do you do you miss that? I mean, was that fun for you? Do you do you aspire to do more TV? Are you looking for any other media opportunities? Like, what are what are you thinking? Oh, that was a dream come true. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I decided to uh, become a chef after reading Kitchen Con- Confidential for the first time in two thousand two, and uh, I mean, yeah, Anthony Bourdain's a hero of mine. Uh, like he is for for many chefs and to be able to kind of be a little mini Bourdain in my own city and show people uh, how, how incredibly diverse and rich our food scene uh, was, was a, was a dream come true. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I would love to the opportunity to do that again. Um, It was, uh, you know, it was, unfortunately it was right, right before, right before COVID. Um, So I don't know if, if they're, if they're picking that, picking it back up ever again. Um, but absolutely that, that, and, and being, um, the food ambassador for, for visit Houston in Mexico, uh, in 2016, uh, were kind of the, the coolest experiences I've, I've, I've gotten to have in my, in my career, uh, in, in the kitchen. Uh, and in both, and in both cases, being able to represent our city, um, uh, as, as a native Houstonian, uh, cause, it's not a secret anymore. This is an incredibly rich food scene. Um, but, you know, six or seven years ago, it, it kind of still was. And we had this little secret that needed to be told. No, absolutely. And and it's such a fun watch. I mean, you hang out with the Blood Brothers. You, uh, you know, I, I guess I should get you to tell me like one good uh, Kieran Verma story, because she's kind of like your your food aunt, your chef aunt. Yeah, no, she's. She's she's my she's my she's my other mother. Uh, I I met her when I was 12 years old and told her 
that I would that I would work uh, for her someday. Um, and and we ended up catering out of her kitchen uh, when we left our group. So my my wish came true. We, we worked in that in that kitchen uh, for the, the first like six eight months uh, when we were just doing doing catering. Um, but yeah, she's gosh, she's just the sweetest the sweetest most uh love it loving chef and and it comes it comes out in her food she she always makes you feel like you're you're eating in her home uh when you're at her restaurant um and i love watching her eat she's she's someone that like chews with her mouth open and eats with gusto and throws back a couple martinis it's just she's a, a wonderful person to be around whether she's cooking for you or if you're just eating with her i love that woman all right. Well, let me just say this has been a lot of fun. Before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. All right. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this, so maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> All right. David Cordua, what is your favorite ingredient? Smoked paprika. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Voice to Men. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. In and out. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Uh, Nolan Ryan. And then finally, when you're going to a pizzeria, what are your go-to toppings? Uh, prosciutto arugula. Give us the website for the Limbar. Tell people how they can stay in touch with everything you've got going on. You can find us at limbar.com. Uh, Instagram is at the Limbar, uh, and yeah, stay stay tuned. We're open for lunch and dinner uh, Monday Monday through Friday. Dinner only on Saturday. Uh, we're doing some live music a couple nights a week, um, and uh, there's going to be a lot of fun programming with the Ion, and uh, you know, with, with just special guests coming into the uh, into the restaurant. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Eric. This was great. Appreciate it. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.